Welcome to the Nailed It Wall. Welcome to this week's episode of the Nailed It Wall. We are honored to be joined by the one and the only Deb Moore, one of my favorite follows on all of Twitter. Buckle up and enjoy your ride, our ride. Uh, welcome to this week's episode, episode 46 of The Nailed It Wall. I'm Mr. Lane, the STEM guy. And I'm Mrs. Schofield. And I'm Debbie Moore. <laughs> well, we are so happy that you uh, took some time out of your day to join us on this summer. You were just telling us that you're, you're having a great summer, you're embracing summer. You're a person that just never stops. But as we start every episode, we like to start our podcast with our Nailed It. Schofield, how did you nail it this week? Um, okay, so... I had actually kind of a good week. I was telling you that I was worried that I wasn't going to have anything. Well, I don't know if it's happening for the two of you guys, but kind of all of my days blend together into just like kind of a haze of gray. And I, I forget what's happened in a week. (laughs) I'm lucky if I know which day it is. So anyhow, I was thinking about, are you going to do procreate? Yeah. Okay. Then I'm not going to do that one. Um, so we did our, our NASF, is that how yeah. we're calling it? Um, we both applied to be fellows um, for the eSports uh, NASF group. Um, and it's kind of like, as you said, like a PLC all dedicated for eSports and kind of um, moving that forward and being part of that community. And so that was a pretty big nailed it. And it was the first time that you and I had sat down and typed out things that were coherent and like, you know, it's like firing your brain off again. You know, we've kind of had this long uh, sabbatical from actual work stuff. And it was so much fun for, for both of us to kind of nail, you know, hammer out our, our application for that. And the biggest nail that was we actually turned it in like a month early. We, we are the people that are like, we care about what time on the day the applications do. Like, we want to know, like, is it like Eastern time? You know, it's like, we need to know because we are just down to that last wire because we, you know, that's just how we roll. So a month ahead is unheard of for us. And it was, it really was super fun. And it's something that we're both really uh, excited to be part of right now. And so we're hopeful. Our fingers are crossed. Yes. Deb, what's your nailed it this week? Um, actually, I don't know if it's necessarily just this week, but just staying in contact with my students in DECA, which is an international association of sales and marketing students. And we, during the COVID, when we had to pivot and go online so quickly, which kudos out to the district for making that happen and all the teachers that talk about being out of your comfort zone quickly and adapting, um, teachers always rise up and do the right thing. Um, I was trying to figure out how to keep my content project based because that's a big part of what we do. It's not just the, you know, the learning, the theory, it's applying it. And that's where I think you get that proficiency and trying to figure out how do we do this now that we've got this coming at us um, so quickly. And one of our business partners reached out and said, hey, we really need your students right now to help us with social media because our restaurants open, but our sales aren't strong. Mm, Wow. And I, it was just one of those just light bulb moments. And so we had the students reach out in the community to all the small businesses that needed some assistance and our students helped run their social media accounts and let them know what their specials were. And, um, they designed a POP material for them to go out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and really help them maintain sales. So we're still working with those clients, you know, especially wow. Wow. Shut down, uh, you know, again, 
So um, the students are still doing all that work and a kid reached out the other day to ask some questions. And when I hung up the call, I was like, wow, that's a nailed it. They are nailing it. They're understanding they really are important in this community and the work mm -hmm. that they're important for our economy as well. So that is my nailed it story. Wow. I love that. That is amazing. Now what's a POP on Twitter? Like, uh, It's your point of purchase. Sorry. Okay. You know, teacher jargon, and then you have marketing, uh, point of sales and POS, and uh, point of purchase POP. So, creating the graphics that go into that, um, the social media, and also any of the click through buttons that they're working on. So, wow. yeah, talk, talk about some real life learning experience that you're, you're providing Absolutely. for these students. Yeah, they, well, you know who one of her I I mean we can name drop because it's our podcast, but you have one of our our girls that's near and dear to our hearts. Monsi is one of your DECA girls. Oh, right? yeah. yes. And, uh, yeah, and I know this has been she's she's I will totally vote for her for president someday. You just mark my words like she's gonna do Love big Monty. things. Love Monsi. She's a powerhouse. And you know, COVID's been super hard for her, you know, because yeah, she's yeah. been, you know, on legit lockdown. Um, and so it makes me happy to hear that there's something like this where they have those opportunities to, you know, have something to do that's meaningful and exciting. And she's so driven. So I'm going to have to reach out to her and hear how this is going for her. Because kids need yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's like, a, this will carry them into life. So what an amazing thing for them to see that what they're doing at school you know, is applicable. I've already it's learned. Absolutely. So I know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped and we're just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, my nail that this week is we've been working a lot. We're talking about using our Apple Pencil and Procreate, which is like a graphic, you know, design tool, which mm -hmm. like, you know, you can use for a lot of different things. And uh, I used to be a great artist as a kid. I was like, and then I just lost that creative side. And, and this week, we're trying to redesign the Nailed It Wall podcast art, one that you hate very much. I do. And I've been designing my kids. <laughs> uh, so I've just been doing some pictures and just had a lot of fun learning about. We've had some students do some amazing things. They're like, oh, look what I did on Procreate. And the kids absolutely love this app and, and what they can do. Me and you actually just got a set of Apple pencils. Uh, we can't wait to get those in the hands of the students. We don't know when that will be, but uh, we are so pumped uh, to, to do that. And I've had so much fun with it. I'm going to tweet out a picture of my daughter today that I created and then I'm going to do mine. And hopefully we have our new nailed it wall, uh, podcast are, uh, are up by tomorrow. We are so close, but you know, I love that procreate because it's a perfect example that wasn't on our radar. We actually, um, the two of us, I went to, um, have you ever gone to an ASTI conference? Uh -huh. Love yeah. ASTI. <laughs> they do such a great job with so many different um, avenues. But I learned about Brush Ninja from um, actually Suzanne Salness, who was the president of ASTI at the time. I went to one of her sessions. And so we brought it in and it's kind of like you use art to generate um, GIFs and or GIFs. Whichever. I say GIFs. Yeah, we are, we're on. Yeah. So it was really cool. And so he rolled it out and then somebody taught you about flip a clip, I think. And then somebody showed him procreate. So you realize that, you know, we're not masters of all this stuff, but here's a kid who introduced us to something and now we're taking it and we're going to do like, not just our podcast art, but like all the applications we could use that for in class. Like for me with science, there's so many things kids could do with that. And, but just even you think about like for you, for marketing and design, like for your kids, they could do so many things for merchandise or just advertising. And, uh, and you realize how many things are like that where it's just kind of like that, that, 
domino effect that you are introduced to something and then what do you do with that? And then like, where do you take it and how do you inspire other people to kind of go with that? Yeah. And like something that we're, we, we started to roll last year was our SV. Uh, what was the name of our makerspace shop? It, um, it's like a merch over. shop or yeah, something. So like, I, I gotta uh, look it up, but I think that's what we did. Yeah, so we want the kids to start designing stickers on Sticker Mule, like using Procreate. And you actually had a student lead a session on like designing a space theme picture. Yeah, and they like I, I learned so much, but even just you know, there's so many things that we do where we just don't get the time to play around. And I will say this has been, you know, a kind of a, a good thing right now just to have this time to just sit and play with an app, but an app that if you look at it creatively, like how you said, we need to kind of wrap our minds around what fall is going to look like and, you know, whatever that looks like. But what we do know is that we're going to have to be innovative and creative and really find these kind of opportunities to spark creativity and excitement with kids because we're going to have to get them in and, and have that kind of thing ignited in them. And it's going to, you know, it's going to take us some, it's going to take some uh, effort on our part. Well, I think engagement's a big key for all of us going into the fall, you know, delivering the content. We know our content. We know how to deliver it to our students. We know our students. Um, it's going to be weird if we're online, which who knows, um, because you don't get to know them individually real well before you're having to deliver your content. And so that makes it hard to kind of customize the experience to each kid. So that makes it difficult when you can't do those things. But engagement is the key. And so I saw your Procreate and I was like, that's pretty <laughs> like that. So, um, you know, I was writing down some notes. I'm like, I want to check into that because this is one of those splendid times that you know, we can't be up at the school right now because it's closed. I'm like, oh, darn, I have to learn at home, darn. Um, but there's some really good things and blessings that come from being here at my house, at my pace, at my time, and continuing that learning. Um, Sir Ken Robinson is one of my favorite authors, and he talks, he did The Element and Out of Your Minds. And one thing he is convinced of is that we, um, you know, teach creativity out of our kids as they progress, you know, as we're coming along, they, they do that study where they say, here's a paperclip, how many things can you make out of it? And you make a prediction on which age group you think would be the most creative. And it's actually the kindergarten. So because yeah. they don't think about how big is the paper, they don't, they're like, it could be a giant paperclip and you do this or a small one, or it could be multicolors or it could have glitter. It could. And so they think of all these great things that you can do with this paperclip, and as we get older, we only think about the function of the paperclip and not the creativity that is within the paperclip. And so he talks about this study where they followed those students along. And as they got older, they were less and less creative in their approach. And I think it's real important that we get back to that because when we talk about innovation and, you know, we have the Academy of Entrepreneurship over at uh, Mountain Ridge that is part of the National Academy Foundation. Our students actually go into our design center, which is, I think, in our second year. So we're still not exactly where I want it, but it's got the space for them to do 3D printing. We've got, it's like a wood shop, practically. There's saws, there's drills. So they can actually build prototypes of things that they're thinking about for a business and really have this hands-on experience trying to figure out, will it work or will it not? Um, and we've had some epic failures. We had the Rocket Club come through there. and. Um, I think I've, I, I think Tesla beats me in blowing up rockets, but I may be too. <laughs> we have blown up our share of rockets, not on the school campus, by the way, 
um, we take them out to the Deer Valley Airport with the CAP and we've um, shot some rockets off there and we might have done a couple out in the desert. Um, but that when they blow up, they're pretty spectacular. And when we're done, we're like, hmm, what we learned from that? And the last one we had used rice to try to weigh down the, the rocket a little so that it wouldn't go, you gotta hit a certain mark. Um, I can't remember how many feet it has to be. And if you're beyond that, you lose points. And if you're under it, you lose points. So you've gotta try to optimize it to the max. Um, so we were putting rice in and shooting again, doing the altimeter and figuring out where we were. And um, it blew up. And so I said, well, we should have used popcorn. We could have had, but we oh, didn't. So fun. I love that. No, it uh, was fun. And I learned a lot. I don't, I'm not, um, you know, that's not my thing. My, but my jam is if the kids love it, that's my jam. So the kids loved it and they want to do it. And I'm like, well, then let's just make it happen. We're just, what do we need to do? And so they had to research it and come to me and say, Miss Moore, you have to order this and this. And one of the things was rocket fuel. And I'm like, Okay, well, we're not having that delivered to the school. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna have to rethink how we do this. But um, it's been fun, and these uh, the four boys that have been most involved in that they're all rooming together at ASU. They have such a bond and such a friendship coming through the engineering and entrepreneurship, and they are sticking together. And, and who knows what they're gonna do next? But it's just been um, a wonderful slice of life to have these kids in my life and. I've learned more about rockets than I've ever wanted and just how their mind works. At this one point, they were like, well, Miss Moore, what if we programmed it so that the wings pop out and slow it down at a certain time? I'm like, you can do that? <laughs> they go, yeah, I think we can. They tested it in the lab one day. I was at a conference and I get this video and it was the test. Wow. Had it in the wind chamber and I'm like, oh my goodness. So um, I really thought we were going to win this year and it got canceled. So uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. I love seeing those things that you're doing. And, and again, like everything you do, like you're one of my favorite follows on Twitter. I, and I back at you guys. Cause I, I, I love, love your stuff. Um, and like you talk about like Sir Ken Robinson, like one of the best uh, Ted talks of all time. I love that one talking about creativity and like how schools kind of uh, crush that. Mm. Uh, I also do like the marshmallow challenge with students where um, they get 20 pieces of spaghetti and they got to balance like a, a marsh marshmallow on top. And, you know, I go, I, I would keep the data from eighth grade all the way down and it'd be like first grade would have the tallest structures. And it was always kindergarten that would, you know, nice. do this. And, uh, it's really cool to kind of see. And I'd play the students be like, who do you think is the most creative? Would it be like, you know, they do like the business people and like, it's a really good video there. Um, but we didn't even talk about, you know, give us an introduction. We, you have some big announcements for us. Tell us like where you teach, what you're doing. Let's, <laughs> let's get into your story here. Well, this might need, we are definitely going to have to have you on again because yes. there's no possible way we could cram every single thing I want you to share with us in just the time we have, because you have a wealth of life that you've lived. Yes. <laughs> we want to hear as much as we can. Well, when you're old, you have that. So, <laughs> um, my big announcement is that I'm going back into the classroom and I really couldn't be more thrilled with that. Um, I left a, a school district, um, a kind of a spur of the moment thing. I felt like, um, you know, stifled. I thought, man, I'm getting stagnant and I, that's just not where I want to be. And uh, so rather abruptly decided, I'm not going to sign my contract. And the people at the school were like, well, do you have another job? I'm like, I don't. <laughs> this might be the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life, but it just felt right. Um, and so I looked around and there was 
a thing called a TOA at the Deer Valley District and my children went to Mountain Ridge. So I was like, oh, hey, that looks good. So I applied for that. Um, and then I called the district and asked where it was. And it turned out it was at Mountain Ridge, which is where one of my favorite principals of all time, uh, Shona Miranda, was there. And I'd worked with her at Kellis High School. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, that's like fate right there. So I called her and um, said, hey, I just put in for this thing. And she goes, I didn't know you were looking. I go, I didn't either, but I am. So um, interviewed and got it. And then they were able to get some marketing to go with it because it's a part-time admin and part-time um, teacher. So I did that and um, done that for five years. And I decided I really, if there's a chance, get back in the classroom and build up the marketing program, which had slowly been building um, for the past couple of years. And there was enough sections. So I am delighted I get to go back into the classroom. And now I'm just like, ooh, full time. <laughs> well, and you know, for me, like I get to hear kids that have, that have you. Uh, uh-huh. And you were doing just the advanced marketing, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And so many kids would say, I have marketing, but I can't wait to have, you know, Ms. Moore because like, you know, you're like the top in their mind. <laughs> and so I am super, super excited because there's, you know, our babies go up from, you know, SV up to you. And there's so many wonderful minds and there's a lot of kids into, into marketing. And so, you know, I'm just really excited that you're going to be doing that and in full, you know, full-time capacity. It's just such well, a- I remember talking to you and saying, Hey, we have got to work on building this bridge. Oh, I know. I know. It was so hard being an administrator, but now I know. I'm well, like, and- oh, I'm so stoked on what we can do. I want to send kids over to you. I want you to have some come to ours. I'm just, I'm really, and it, you know, the cool thing is, is I'm really excited. Well, there's so many, to, I don't want to like derail us. I feel we're all the <laughs> on track. So I'm going to let you steer because I could go in a million different directions. <laughs> Me no. too. Now, what was it like trying to balance the admin teacher teacher life there? That's a that's a tough hat to wear. It that is a difficult one actually, um, because you're, you know, you're a teacher still. It's teacher pay and teacher um, requirements, but you also have admin. So it's kind of that weird thing where I'm actually evaluating some of my peers, but then I'm getting evaluated too. So you're in a kind of a um, a strange spot there. It is difficult to manage the hours. Um, you need to thank your administrators because you'll never know all the stuff that they buffer in that front office that doesn't roll down to anybody else. And also just the hours that are put in, you know, things that happen at the end of the school day and you are stuck there. You are not, you can't leave in the middle of a solution to a problem and sometimes, you know, intense problems and you can't leave. So you're there, you know, 430, sometimes six o'clock trying to get whatever the crisis is solved and then um, emotionally trying to recover from that and come back the next day. So there was a lot of things there for the admin side that didn't really speak to my heart as much as the students. So I think that's a difficult thing to manage, you know, as a teacher, um, when that day is done, then I can pretty much you know, figure out what I want to do next. And if I want to do it at school or at the, you know, the house or later that night. Um, but as an administrator, if you're in the middle of an intense situation, you're there till it's done and it will derail any plans that you had after school and sometimes before school. You know, you have a reputation that precedes you with how you connect with students. And that's how you and I met was yes. Sharon Connolly, our common yes. friend. 
had just said what a powerhouse you are and how <laughs> much you have a heart for students and for what you do. And she kept saying that over and over, you have to meet, you know, you have to meet Deb Moore. So how do you, what are the biggest things? I know teaching eighth grade is challenging because you're competing for their attention with a lot of things. You know, when you're talking about engagement and it's a tip, you know, typically as they get older, you kind of come to a crossroads where sometimes you lose, lose them to apathy, uh, being, or you're, they're competing, you're competing for their attention with so many things. And I know the things I face in eighth grade, but I feel like it's, it's kind of tempered down compared to what they're exposed to in high school. How do you, how do you keep those connections? How do you bring the relationships in and how do you keep them engaged? Like, what have you found to be helpful for that? Because there's a lot to compete with. There's a, there's a lot of things that uh, high schoolers can spend their time on and, and they're all great. Um, not all of them. They're not all great. <laughs> That's true. Not all. <laughs> not all great. <laughs> Good point. <No. laughs> Henceforth, the admin intent side of things. Right, right. Yes. So, yeah, you're right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I do, the first three weeks of my class every year is it's not heavy curriculum. We go into um, social contracts. What is your dream classroom? That's the first thing I ask them. What is your dream classroom? And why do you take this class? Why do you sign up for this class? And from those couple things, I start to get a framework of why they're in there. You know, they'll say that, you know, I heard it was fun. I heard that I can get a lot of scholarships. I heard I can, you know, so trying to figure out what their pulse is, why are they here so that I'm not wasting their time, you know, and if they say I want to be in it because of X, Y, Z, and I know I can't deliver that, then, um, you know, I tell them, hey, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to make that happen. Um, or that would be real challenging for me to make that happen. So, you know, if there's a better fit for you, let me know so we can figure these things out. But we do a social contract where we decide what is our class and what our norms are. And we're pretty serious about it. And we take a long time laying a good foundation for the class. Uh, the other thing they do in those first three weeks is they work on the career unit. So that's where they do their resume. Um, they're, they got to learn how to get uh, letters of recommendation. I write a lot of those for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably wrote a lot too. And they can be, I call them my plug and chugs. I sometimes send teachers, here's a couple paragraphs. This is really all it needs. The, the assignment, the task within the task is for them to be comfortable asking adults for a letter mm -hmm. because later they're going to need a more specific letter for scholarships. So these little letters, when they first do it, it's just the practice of going to an adult, asking them to write you a letter, and then you've got to follow up with that adult to make sure they do it. And side note, it's really funny. They come back and go, the teachers are the worst about deadlines. I go, they are. Here we are dinging you guys. And then I can tell you, most of the teachers are late getting their letters to their students. And the students give them to them well in advance because they copy me on the emails. And so they aren't the best either. And they said, well, if we graded them like they grade us, I go, oh, let's not even go. <laughs> uh, we, we are guilty of that at times, for sure. <laughs> I'm like, uh, but, but you guys are right. You're right. Well, and it's funny because you think about that as like you're trying to teach them a skill that's going to benefit them going forward. But for me, being a new teacher, it's, you know, I'm going into my fourth year. The first time a student asks for a letter, I'm like, uh, am I qualified to be right? Like it's the first time I have done it. You know, now it's just, I just know I'm going to get Deb Moore's kids. And <laughs> yeah, but I do tell my kids at the beginning of the year, 
you're going to go to high school and you're probably going to need someone to be a reference for a job or a letter of recommendation for anything. And if you come to me, then you have to have been someone that made a positive impact and really showed up because I will not write you one just because you ask. You have to be someone that I want to spend that time because I always will write a letter specific to that kid. Yes. Even though it takes a lot. But for me, I said, if I'm going to speak to your character, then you had to have character in my class for me to work with that, you know? And so that's really important to me. So I really like that they ask because they know that if they do, because I have not written just a couple because I, here. I can't vouch for you. I can't vouch yeah. for you. And if you didn't show up and give me something to work with, then there's really nothing I can do for you. Well, and the whole thing of them going and asking, it's uncomfortable. And, you know, I've had a couple ask me for letters and I said, you know, let's talk about an incident that occurred. And would you want me to write this letter? Because I am going to include that incident. So I may not be the person (laughs) (laughs) to do that, you know, because you plagiarized multiple times. So I'm not going to be able to speak to you about your honesty and your ethics. So you're probably going to need someone else. Now I'll speak to these great things that you've done, but as a teacher writing a letter, particularly for college, I can't overlook the fact that you have had these, you know, one thing, maybe I could gloss over it, but multiple infractions. So you need to think about the things that you do because they do define your character. So when the kids finish with, you know, the portfolio, one of them's a career unit. And then they have to present their portfolio to the class. And the class has to keep notes on three things you learned about that person. And that's a little cheat sheet they keep for the year. So it continues to build those relationships with each other because they may share some common elements. Go, oh, I grew up in Texas. Oh, I like aerospace engineering. Oh, you know, and so they keep these little notes on each other and it helps them during the year, you know, try to get to know each other. But for me, when they tell me their career interests, I write those down. And then every time something comes across my desk, I'll say, hey, you were interested in engineering. Here's an opportunity for you in engineering. Or you four were interested in aerospace. Here's a rocket contest. And that's how we got into it. Or you eight are interested in esports, and I got nothing. But I saw somebody on Twitter and I give them that information. So as I tell them, I, I don't want to just be a teacher in your life. I want to be significant. I want to be meaningful. So the time that you spend here, I'm paying attention to what your interests are, and I'm trying to cultivate everything towards what their absolute interests are. And I'm very intentional with it and meaningful with it. And, you know, I told them I want to be in their lives in the future. And I don't say that, you know, just to say it. I truly do want to be significant in their life and help them at this moment where they're trying to decide what they're going to do next and really help them with the, you know, navigate how to do it. We've had 12 students start their own businesses on this campus. They have done really great things. One of the students, I don't know if it's good or bad. I haven't talked to his mom lately, but um, he's so popular right now. He actually is not, which this might be the year to take a gap year. Anyway, he's taking his junior year off because his business is, exploding right now wow. so yeah it's he hiring because there's teachers that need side <laughs> gigs <laughs> i think he's probably on the verge of it it's a he's wow. doing great he's got a drone business that he's running on uh, he operates a drone business and it's um 
it's doing really great. That's awesome. We love drones. But you know, yeah. Doug, you know, the thing that's interesting about you is not only do you keep people in mind, your kids in mind and send things, but you know, right when we were about to start, Rob said for me not to forget to talk to you about LA Build. You sent me oh, an yeah. email when that came across your your email box and and you sent that to me and I just, I filled it out. It was actually one of the easiest things. I mean, we fill out tons of grants and we go for a lot of stuff. So everything we do, we were really, really big on that. But that one was really, really straightforward and just such a, they have such a heart for girls and getting them into those STEM areas and all that. And they were amazing. And that was such a cool opportunity because they got, you know, the Moxie girls got chosen for that and they got to do some cool things. And, but that was just because it, got you some just, drones, yeah, got we got robots, some, yeah, I mean, know. we got yeah. drones and robots and, and it was so cool because you think about not only are you partnering with your students, because I too tell my kids, like, I want to know you for always. Like, I want to know you. I don't want to just teach you for a year. I want to know who you become. So let me be part of that. But those kinds of things, like you're building into other teachers as well, other people in our district. And even just for us to know, as we start our esports thing, we know that you're going to, you know, be on the other end of that. And there's so many potentials for us to kind of like start this feeding process right up into, you know, as we keep calling it the bridge to Ridge, you know, and it's true, but we need to be able to have that handoff to start big things and know that that's going to keep going, you know, and you're that when I tell my students leave a legacy. And I think the things that you're starting, we haven't been able to build on your legacy when they come here, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been tapped out. And every time I see that, it frustrates me because I'm thinking you're doing these great things and they come here and we're not able to keep that fire alive in them. And that's frustrating to me. So knowing that I get to be back in the classroom, I know those things you're doing, we're going to be able to keep them alive. So we're going to have an, a place for them to do those things and to build. And so I'm pretty excited about that because it is about leaving that legacy and the things that you guys start. I want to make sure we continue your legacy. And then they go on into their career careers and build those legacies. And we love that. When we first started doing that, you were so concerned about some of our eighth graders being like, Deer Valley High School has a Rocket League esports team. O'Connor has the League of Legends. And you're like, I'm going to reach out to Deb Moore. Like, she'll be, she'll be someone that can kind of keep <laughs> this going. And like, without hesitation, you just said yes. You're like, you're like we're, it's in the works. We're going to make this happen. Because you were just concerned about those eighth graders. Like, we want this in high school. And, yeah. and yeah. you just said yes. Now, how yeah. did... What is your marketing background? How, how are you so passionate about marketing? What, where does that come from? Um, school. <laughs> Actually, my father. Um, my dad was uh, in management with the Air Force, and then uh, he also was highly involved in community service. He did our Tri-City Athletic League, so he oversaw all the athletics in the San Antonio area. And uh, he just always organized these great events and fundraisers. And Oh, I like that. So my dad was um, super, super involved in um, community service and the Air Force and kids. And then when he left there, he went with a home builder and equally is involved there. And so hanging around my dad, I'm such a daddy's girl. I just love seeing the things that my father did. And when I went to school, my major was management with a minor in marketing. And I played volleyball, so I was really involved in that, and that was uh, paid for my school, so that was great. So, um, you know, I just saw what my father did and the power of one person leading a team and rallying the whole community to do things. 
so that was what my passion was. And when I was at um, University of Texas and then at Texas A&M, you know, I was in business student council, putting all those same events together, um, employer days coming to our campus, um, all kinds of events and activities for our students and for our businesses. And so it was just a natural for me. It just, it was, that's the career for me and where I should have been. And then I moved out here, got married and moved out here and worked in the industry did sports promotions with shopping centers. So we went and customized all these events for all these shopping centers. I worked for a developer here in town, then went with another developer that had properties in multiple states. Um, then I had my first child and it was hard to maintain that. So then I opened my own business, more marketing concepts, which I still have, still nice. own. And then, um, had my second child. So then I went freelance and as I was having my second one, um, I was also coaching volleyball around the valley and someone said you really should teach so here's a really funny story <laughs> so didn't even think anything of it because I've been working with high school kids for six seven years I thought this would be fun and they have marketing classes to teach kids and I really I would like to teach them about marketing it's a great career so I went and took all the extra classes I need to take <laughs> and then I got interviewed and they offered me 25.5 and I went that for the first semester I thought, <laughs> I, thought okay, I didn't even look at the pay scale how idiotic am I and I went well what <laughs> I had expense checks I had expense checks bigger than that so I was like whoa so I had to rethink and talk to my husband and then we decided no this really is a good place for me to be great passion um, so I always thought I would work in it until my kids got older and then I would go back corporate. Um, and there was an opportunity. I did go, I interviewed with uh, Casino Arizona when they were first coming out for the Talking Stick Resort Hotel. And I was going to leave education and go there and Shona Miranda had moved over to Kellis and told me, come over here and take a look at these kids. They need you. And man, was she masterful. Played yeah. me fiddle. Mm -hmm. did. <laughs> and I went over there and I thought, man, I really think I can make a difference in these kids' lives. And she said, you walk out that door at uh, Casino Arizona, you won't have made any difference in anyone's life, but you walk out these doors and you know you will. And son of a gun, she was right. Yeah. So I went to Kellis and um, my favorite story there is little Alec Romero, who had never been outside Arizona and he joined DECA as a freshman, super, super motivated kid and wanted to go on this trip to San Diego. And I was driving the van, taking these kids to San Diego. And I had to like meet with mom and dad and grandma <laughs> to get permission for him to go out of state to go to this event. And finally I got the blessing of the family and took him out there. And while he was out there, this young girl was on the stage and she was the international DECA president. And he said, can I be that one day? I said, absolutely. You can be anything you want to be. And if that's what you want to be, then let's start looking at the work we have to do. Because a lot of people say they want to do something and when they do the work, then it, they fade off. So it's going to take a lot of work, but you start today and lay the frame, framework for it and it can happen. So um, he did. And so my last year at Kellis, he was the international DECA president. Wow. It's only the second one in Arizona. The last one had been like in the 1940s. Wow. And it was quite 
an accomplishment for a kid that had not left Arizona as a freshman and now was the international DECA president and was going to be traveling all over the place. And then, as you probably read, we Mountain Ridge just got the first woman president for international DECA from Arizona. Yep. Catherine Horton is now following that legacy. So she's the international DECA president, although she's not getting to travel that much right now, but yeah, hopefully she will later. But these kids, you know, teaching them the passion of marketing and things that they can do, and then they can take off with their careers and do it. So um, I always thought I would leave education and <laughs> I'm not. So I'm here still, um, although my retirement date is September, but obviously I'm continuing on. Um, yes, please. We don't have it in us to hear anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy my time with the kids. Um, they, they fulfill me. And as someone said, don't you get tired? I'm like, well, if everybody in the boat is rowing, then it's just, it's beautiful. If you're trying to drag an anchor, it's not. And these kids are grateful and appreciative of the time that we put in. As you know, you probably have the same things where when you do things, they will send you a note. They'll send you an email. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for letting me do this. I know it took a lot of time. Thanks for doing that for me. And you're on this journey with them that it's amazing. These are some amazing kids that we get to spend time with. I mean, it's so amazing that you've had two international presidents yeah. of DECA like under you. And so I think that speaks volumes to your passion and knowing like what it takes to get there and kudos to those students. Money. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> and work. Uh, talk a little about DECA. I, I love seeing that crew, all the things they're doing. Talk about how much work goes into it, you know, and w what is DECA? Uh, DECA is consuming is what it is. Um, it is awesome. It's an international association of sales and marketing students. And there's case studies that students can compete in. There's uh, virtual contests they compete in. And then there's written events. So the written events, they're giving a topic. And I think, gosh, I can't even count how many. I want to say there's 12 to 18 topics. Um, but the 30-page written re events are amazing. So they give them a topic to study. And they have to partner with a business and write this research paper. They have to conduct surveys, get feedback and come up with solutions to implement for solving a problem. Um, last year, I think it was last year, one of them was um, customer service metrics. So they had to work with the business, so they had to observe that business, see uh, what customer service techniques they're using, not utilizing, and do surveys, you know, pre and post, and then to come up with ideas to solve the problem. So that's one of them. This year, uh, believe it or not, I think we're going to do really well on this one. I'm pretty excited. They're talking about the COVID-19 recovery, things that you could do to recover from COVID-19. And I went, we inadvertently fell right into that with the business reaching out to us and the students coming up with ideas. Yeah. So really going to have a good working knowledge of that. So those are 30-page written events about a topic. So that's anywhere from finance to hospitality to marketing, to management, to product placement, to promotion. So all of those things, uh, the students examine and look at and write their paper. Then there's case studies. Case studies are my personal favorite because you go in cold. I mean, you can study a lot of marketing, but you go in and there's a piece of paper in front of you and there's a problem. So, um, you know, you're in charge of a hotel and it floods and you have three weddings and two family reunions planned for that weekend. How do you solve the problem? Go. And so the kids have to 
outline all their information and then they go into this um, case study role play where they go to a judge and say hi how you doing i understand we have this problem here's some solutions that we've come up with blah 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 and then you dialogue with your judge and then they rank you on how well you did so it's critical thinking under pressure do you have the poise can you have the strong presentation skills and are your ideas viable and they'll question them about you know if it's uh something in finance where they have to determine whether they're going to sell their land or lease it out and they'll have to come up with the metrics and the math on that so they'll have to figure that out so those are pretty tough but those are my favorite because you go in it's just like you know game day baby you go in you don't know what the opponent's going to bring and you're trying to compete against everybody so that's my favorite and then we also have the virtual challenges where you're given um, a topic and you have to come up with it and present it virtually and then those are judged and um, in the past fit them like the fashion institute of design and merchandising it's been um, recreate something with current uh, like go to goodwill and get three items and then you have to refashion that repurpose it so that's been a cool one for the people that are interested in fashion so um, lots of areas are covered in DECA and then they also have the entrepreneur challenge where they say we're giving you a an item and you come up with it so one year um we competed and it was funny because we were in seattle washington it was snowing at the time so we huddled around the computer and out came the topic and it was a plastic bag and we were like plastic bag what are we going to do with the plastic bag and then the kids just started brainstorming so um we made a prototype of a mat that you could use in your car for all the snow, you know, and the ice so that it didn't get on your nice mats. It went on this plastic thing first. And then the kids said, hey, let's make it bigger, like a sleeping bag, like a mat that you would lay on. And we, in the rooms, we're fashioning these, you know, just like hook loop things with plastic bags that we had, because there's tons of them around at the hotel. And um, the kids made a mat and they gave it to one of the homeless people to, you know, so they're not sleeping on the concrete. They were sleeping on these plastic bags. So then we were kind of going by and test marketing, going by and seeing if he was still using it. And he was, and we we're like, hey, this, this is the one we'll enter. So we entered it, we didn't win, but it didn't matter that we didn't win. What mattered is the kids really were like, hey, do you remember that time that we helped that homeless guy with those bags in the hotel room? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Well, and just because they didn't win, like, just think about that. Like maybe one day that will come to fruition. Like one of them could come back to something like that or somebody could yeah. get, you know, that's the thing with, with ideas. It might not be the time yet, you know, but right. it's a seed and you, there's so many things that you're doing and that we're doing and that we see people doing all the time where we're planting seeds and you don't know when they're going to take off or if every seed you plant will, but it's our responsibility to keep doing this, you know, just yeah. putting it out, put, you know, planting them one after another. And a, and a big thing for us is creativity. You know, that's yeah. like our, that's like the soft skill for life. And, you know, everything like we want those kids to leave Sierra Verde, you know, with those five soft skills, you know, yeah. are they able to collaborate? Are they able to communicate creativity, problem, problem solving and persistence? Like those are like who we are as people. And now do you ever pinch yourself? Like, to be like in this district. Cause I know we, we go back we and forth and we're like, we're, we're just so fortunate for amazing administrators to give us the freedom or we're like, we're going to do this, this and this. And they're like, go at it. Yeah. And you yeah. know, they're just like, you know, it's like, 
we just love that yes attitude. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the analogy talking about if everyone's rowing the boat or yeah. you're carrying an anchor. Um, yeah. So do you ever just like pinch yourself like of like what you get to do with these kids? I love it, uh, which is part of what was, you know, when I was at Peoria, you know, we were in our heyday there, <laughs> particularly for career and technical education, which is where my area is. Um, and it, we were just loving it. And then there were some changes made and then it became a little more constrictive and a little more difficult and, in my opinion, not student first. And so that was where I was having my frustration. I'm like, I don't fit anymore. So coming over here, I was thrilled. And it seems like now Deer Valley's having a huge, you know, heyday. Um, Cause I really, they were on my radar, but not high on my radar, you know? Um, and now I'm over here and I'm just amazed at the opportunities that are here and the support that is here for it. Jamie Fitzpatrick is our career and technical education, education director. And uh, she's amazing. You know, you come to her and say, Hey, want to try this and, She'll be like, awesome. Okay, how about this? You know, we have to work within these, you know, constraints, but um, maybe we could do this. Or, you know, she's right in there brainstorming with you, you know, which is nice rather than you take it to somebody and they're like, oh, you know, bring it back to me when you figure this out. And, you know, she's right there trying to problem solve with you. And I think that's a great thing. And then um, you guys have Paula and I think Paula's. No, we have oh, Tony now. Yeah. 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 But Paula, yeah. Paula's like, yeah. and Paula's just someone just pushes you and like, you know, so like good. there's things in me I never knew I could do until Paula like pulled that out of me, you know? And yeah. I often go back and forth. It's like, it's like, I don't know I could do that, you know? And you know, yeah. Paula would just like dangle that carrot and you know, yeah. just like go get it. Yeah. Opportunity, yeah. opportunity. And then just the belief and this, you said something right at the beginning when we started where you said, that the kids would ask you and you would say, yeah, let, let's make that happen. And I yep. think at, at the district level, I do feel like we get, you know, from our admin and then up, we get a lot of green lights to have that, that freedom, that uh, the ability to say, yeah, let's make that happen. And I feel super grateful that we get that kind of uh, belief put into us on a regular because we've been able to, all of us been able to do some pretty cool, unique things, but it's because people don't just say, come back to me when you've got this, this, and this figured out. They just keep saying like, all right, go, go ahead, keep going with yeah. it. And it's been incredible. Oh, it's been amazing. Yes, for sure. Now you, you and myself, we were both recipients of the Fiesta Bowl, uh, <laughs> the, uh, teacher, I forget, I forget the name for of Wishes for Wishes Teachers. Wishes for Teachers. <laughs> which is, uh, such an amazing thing. Uh, you pushed me to, you know, and it was like, they give a million dollars. Uh, so I forget how many $5,000 grants to give the teachers is truly amazing. Uh, their show that they put on this year, all with a green screen. And, uh, how, how did you receive your call? Like, did they FaceTime you? Did they call you? <laughs> well, they tried called three times and, um, you know, they said, have your phone with you, which I did, but we also had an event going on with deck at the school that night. So we were planning this thing and then I'm like, darn, I missed a call. So then I called back and missed their call back. And so then it became comical. But um, yeah, so I ended up having to call like the next morning and, and get the news that way. But it that is really cool. And I love how they do the draft day. So, you know, it's all on camera and they draw out the, you know, the winner and then they read the card and then they make the phone call and you, you get that moment. And it, it's really neat because they do a good job of elevating teachers. And I think that's super important. How'd you get yours? 
Oh, his was awesome. Um, and yeah. they called. We were watching it, and like some people weren't getting excited, and her son was actually in the room. He's like, these people are getting five thousand dollars. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, I was like, if they called me, I was like, I'd run out there and FaceTime and slide in the sprinklers, like you know. Uh-huh. I, I give I gave a big animated it was uh, amazing. animated excitement, you know, I was just so excited because um, you know, it just means so much to teachers and you know what the Fiesta Bowl does is truly amazing. Uh I did our esports. I wouldn't be able to launch our esports like without it, no. you know. So it's yeah. like, so crazy to think of, you know, that impact and mm-hmm. you know how that one thing has led to so many open doors, not only for us but for our students. Yeah. What was what was your Fiesta Bowl uh wish? Well, we used ours with um, DECA, and then um, one of our big focuses was trying to upgrade some of the sports venues because we want to do this whole sports launch with um, DECA down the road, yeah. a sports marketing class. So trying to work nice. on So um, beach volleyball is a new sport with us, but there's no bleachers out there, and there were no um, perimeters for hanging signs for sponsorships. So um, we got bleachers, um, we shored up the area, we put in some netting, um, but we hadn't done the banners yet when COVID hit. So we weren't able to finish our project yet, but we'll get back out there and do it. But we wanna put in the PVC pipe where you can hang banners for sponsorships and upgrade the whole venue itself so that we can make a difference. So people are like, well, it's for DECA. And I'm like, what is? DECA's creating it. By creating it, we're learning and applying our marketing skills but it's also for the betterment of our school too. So it will be a big thing. And plus we DECA uses that. We do our DECA banquet out there. Um, we dress up in suits all year long. <laughs> yeah, I, love, I love seeing the kids dressed in the oh, nines. It's one of my, one of my favorite things. <laughs> it is, but then towards the end of the year, the kids are like, do we have to dress up for our banquet? So we do a sand volleyball tournament. Oh, nice. Out there and just, we barbecue, you know, bring out the grills and uh, do real barbecue, not hot dogs and hamburgers. That's grilling, just so you guys know from Texas. We do barbecue. We do some brisket. You know, we get some brisket out there. And uh, so we have uh, brisket and barbecue and baked beans. Got to have your baked beans out there. And then um, we play volleyball and we announce our, you know, officers for the next year. And that's kind of our end of the year hoopla, but that venue gets used quite a bit. So um, it didn't, it's not necessarily just DECA was the only one that uh, benefited from it. We were able to pay it forward to the school. I love that. That's amazing. Now, do you actually work for the Fiesta Bowl? I saw you at the Clemson game, like rocking a Fiesta Bowl <laughs> jacket. I was like, I was like, who is this lady? I was like, hey, that was an amazing game. And like, you're like right down on the sidelines. <laughs> um, I am a life member of the Fiesta Bowl. So uh, I have that means that I have put in a lot of time. I started with the Fiesta Bowl volunteer in 86. Um, a couple of times I was up for volunteer of the year, but I didn't even win, but uh, up for it. <laughs> um, but it's a, <laughs> a reoccurring thing about, you know, up for it, but didn't win. Oh uh, yeah, okay, almost. Um, but there's been a lot of successes. I'm good, I'm good. You gotta have some things not come through so you can appreciate the ones that do. Uh, been a volunteer since 86 and it's a one of those stories that when I first moved here um, I met I worked at a retail area and met this uh, other girl that worked there and we became pretty good friends and they invited us we had moved out here in September and they invited us to their house for um, Thanksgiving dinner and I was like oh uh," you know because we don't have any family out here and I said well it's a Texas Texas A&M game. 
so what time's dinner? And I hate to be that way, but I don't want to miss the game, you know, because back then we didn't have the all the recorders and everything. So I'm like, I don't want to miss the game for, you know, turkey. I can do turkey anytime around the football game. So I kind of have my Texas Texas A&M game. So um, she goes, I don't know. Let me ask my mom. So then her dad laughed and thought that was really funny and said, we'll work it around the game so we can all watch the game together. I said, oh, you don't have to do that for me. I'm, I'm you know, your daughter's only known me a couple months. Um, they're like, no, that sounds like fun. So we went over, had this great turkey dinner and watched the football game in Texas one. And it was really great. And then um, it turns out that it was um, Pep Cooney from Channel 12. And he was in the Fiesta Bowl. So he's asking what I thought of Arizona. I said, eh, you know, it, it, it lacks a community like Texas. You know, if you're a Texan, you're a Texan. And I don't know what it is out here in Arizona. You're a cactus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, the cactus look terrible, you know. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> so they said, you just need to get involved, and you should get involved in Fiesta Bowl. You like football. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, and he's heavily involved in the Fiesta Bowl. So um, the, that Monday when I was back at work, the phone rang, and it was a gentleman saying, hey, Mr. Cooney said that you need to come to this meeting on Thursday. And I'm like, uh, wow. <laughs> So that's how I got involved. So wasted no time, got super involved and love it and still involved in it. Um, not as much. I always thought if I got life member, we, I remember working really hard and the life members would show up at a couple of events. And I thought, well, when I'm a life member, I'm not going to be like that. I'm a life member and I am like that. <laughs> so but you wear a million hats. <laughs> like anything I go to at Ridge, you are there. And I <laughs> quite a few things at the school. Yeah. And you were at every single thing I went. And, you know, I think that's what's so hard is you have a heart for teaching in the kids and it's hard to find that balance. You know, it's hard it to is. not spread yourself too thin because you don't want to leave anything out that you could be giving to the kids. But I mean, you were at everything and I would be at football games and not only are you there, but then you're staying after and you're cleaning up the trash, you know, and yes, and the volleyball games and the basketball. I mean, like literally you're at every single thing that I go to. And, and so, you know, maybe this year segueing into the teacher role primarily, you know, that's going to be your focus will allow you to kind of like catch a breath and because it's tough. I, I don't think she sleeps. I know. I don't think she, um, <laughs> somebody but, asked me, when do you sleep? I go in class like the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, it, just kidding. It's, <laughs> it's so hard because you, you know, obviously you love it. You know, it's yeah, not like you're doing it because it's, it's, it's driven from love. And so I think for teachers, especially after what we all just went through, you know, in the spring, uh, it's going to be really, really important for us to have self-care going forward into the school year because it, it, you know, we already struggle with that as it is, but more than ever, you know, our social emotional, the kids social emotional has to be like such a priority for all of us because you know it's it's been tough. She's telling you to take it easy. No, uh, no. Yeah. You're not your own. I mean I love what you Go, do. Going back to the Fiesta Bowl, uh, <laughs> I, I told uh, Schofield I was like, and me and you were going back and forth on Twitter. You got stuck on a plane, so you missed uh, the aid, <laughs> and I was like, 
I was like, it was just amazing. I was like, you don't understand. Like, you know, teachers felt so valued, like walking in that parade, just like everyone like, I love teachers. And like, I just had the biggest smile on my face the whole entire time, uh, walk on experience, going on the field at halftime and uh, getting experience that with my son and him like watching me out there and they actually played my clip on the Jumbotron and then- uh-huh. Coach Conley said he was at the Fiesta Bowl and he's like, he's like at a commercial, they played your clip. Like I'm like at the Fiesta Bowl, but so the cool. Fiesta Bowl does so many great things for teachers and giving back. And, uh, but just that experience walking in the parade and I know how bummed you are, uh, were to miss that. And just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we love teachers now yeah. before we came on and started recording, uh, you know, we don't know what the school year is going to bring, but we wanted to hear your perspective because you just had a po- such a positive spin. So, you know, today is July 6th. Um, we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So I don't even know what tomorrow is. So, but, so uh, <laughs> what, what's your attitude going into this school year? My attitude is we've got great leadership. They're not going to put us in harm's way. They're going to do all their research, collect all the data, and determine whether we're going to be in person or whether we're going to be online first. There's a myriad of decisions that go into things. People are like, oh, it got moved back a couple weeks. That's not that big a deal. I'm like, well, it is. It impacts the calendar. It impacts testing. It impacts um, where we're going to be in our curriculum when we have to test for finals. Um, are they going to move those days, take some holidays out in the fall? Or are they going to move it back in the spring? I said that one little thing has eight to nine different impacts. And those are all important impacts that we need to look at when we're making decisions. And so it's really hard for everybody to have to react constantly to this shifting you know, deadline. We're open, we're closed, we're open, we're closed. But that's the reality we're in. So getting frustrated with the process isn't the answer. The answer is, they're doing some research at the district level. They're going to figure out what's best for us. And then when it's time for us to decide whether we're going in the classroom or we need to take a gap year for us, those are decisions we need to make for ourselves personally. For me, I'm eager to get back in the classroom. I think that that's where I really can connect with my students the best because um, I like to see their eyes. I like to talk to them. I like to interact with them. But I also know there's great risk for them. There's great risk for us right now. We can take a lot of precautions, but we're not really sure exactly what that's going to look like. Um, you know, and I might change my mind in three weeks if these numbers keep escalating. Maybe I'm, say, oh, I'm not digging that anymore. So it is a moving thing, but what I need to look at is what can I can control? I can control my attitude. I can control my curriculum delivery. And my challenge is going to be finding ways to keep it really engaging for the kids, because I think that is the most important thing. Whether we're in person, whether we're online, those kids deserve the best from me. And the best way I deliver is when they do something, not only is it good for their learning, it's significant for them and the community that we live in. So we're going to continue to look for opportunities in which kids can stay actively engaged and apply marketing skills while they're doing it. And that's going to be the challenge, I think, for a lot of people. How do you deliver content that truly engages kids and keeps them wanting to learn in an environment where, you know, it's not just the online part we're talking about, it's the distractions outside of that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of distractions outside. So that makes it hard for kids sometimes to get up and say, I want to be in this classroom doing something. We need to give them something that they want to do. We need to make it um, sticky. You need Velcro. 
So there's got to be a lot of hooks that these kids are like, if it's one hook, it might wear out. But if I got a bunch of hooks connected to this classroom, then that bond stays tighter and they're less likely to drift away from me. When we were online um, during the whole COVID shift, that big pivot that occurred, which again, applause to us, that was amazing that teachers rose up and made that happen. But that connection with my students, I didn't have a lot of drop off. You know, I, I was in the 90s for my class attending and being there. And I think you guys had similar numbers. Um, in high school, it's, you would expect more drift because they don't have to be there. And a lot of them are seniors. So they're like, yeah, I'm out. But they still stayed together. They were stuck to me and our concepts and finishing the job we had started. Because there were some things that we were doing that we were midstream on and we, we couldn't finish. And so um, they wanted to finish it. So how can we finish it without you being involved, Miss Moore? Because you'll get in trouble, but how can we do it? And I'm like, keep me out of the dialogue. But I will tell you, some things got done that I, when I go to the campus and I go over to beach volleyball, I'm like, somebody was here doing some work. That's such a cool oh, feeling. Man. But Goosebumps. you know, Goosebumps. it is because like, that's the thing is if you can get them to see that what they're doing has meaning and it was the same I was really really discouraged when we first because I'm you know I relationships are really important to all three of us mm -hmm. I would imagine to most teachers and it rocked my whole world because I had the most amazing group of eighth graders like in my opinion ever to walk the planet and so it was really, really hard because at first they kind of just poof, you know, like everybody's scattered, you know, their sleep patterns were all off, they're yeah. gleaming, they're, they're a mess, right? But then when we did rockets and it brought them back together and all of these kids came out of the woodwork, it was just the best feeling to see them finish strong with something and to see it had meaning to them. And that's the thing is we're going to have to be so intentional. We keep talking about, you know, have, I'm sure you've watched Most Likely to Succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like kind of, it just rocks your whole mindset and all of that in a good way. But we're at such a big time in education where if we can find ways to make it so relevant to them and it doesn't matter if it looks different or whatever, if we can still make it sticky, like you said, then they're lifelong learners and they're going to seek that out. And it's not because they have to, but because they see the value of it in their life, you know, and that's huge. Yeah. For a deck of this, afternoon this evening when we meet because um, we've had our zoom meetings and we've done our leadership modules because um, DECA also has community service leadership you know as well as the curriculum side of it so um, we did all our personality traits and finding out different things so we've got to vote for our officers which we usually wait till we set up the student store because after you work in the heat setting up the student store You'll find out who's got a short fuse and who doesn't and who you want to be president and who you yeah, don't. Yeah, that's funny. But um, now we're going to have to do it online. So it's a little different dynamic for us. But the bigger thing is right now we're usually planning our membership drive. So I told them, hey, we're meeting Monday at six. You start researching best practices and bring to the table ideas for how do we run a membership campaign online? Because that's what it's going to be this year. How cool though. So we do that because our goal is always 100 members or more. So if that's still going to be our goal, so we'll determine, are we going to, you know, set it lower because of this? Or are we going to keep it the same? And what are we going to do? So now talk about a real marketing challenge. Who isn't in that role? Everybody's in that role. Every business that you're in is trying to maintain a relationship with their people and continue to 
give value to the money that they're providing, AKA membership. So how do we do that? What is going to be our promotional campaign that we're going to do online? Because that's what we're going to have to do for our membership. Because I, I think we're probably going to be online in the fall. I, I predict that you're going to have a good membership because I hope two things. <laughs> one is kids are intimidated in high school to be in person, being a new person to walk in through the doors. So if it's not, if it doesn't have that intensity, plus they're going to be looking for connections more than ever because they've been so disconnected for yeah. you know, months. So I'm wondering, I'm going to be curious. You're going to have to keep us posted. So that's your prediction. Yeah, that's so. Your prediction. Yeah. I always tell the kids, predict what do you think is going to happen? So <laughs> funny story, right? When COVID was happening, we were talking about COVID in our class and the impact it might have. And at the time, the Long Beach longshoremen were laid off or furloughed because there were no um, ships coming into the port to for us to unload stuff. So we were predicting gas prices because if they weren't coming in to unload that oil and gas, was that going to create um, a, a situation where prices went down or would, would it be scarcity where we don't have enough so it drives pricing up? So when supply is limited, you know, supply and demand have inverse relationships, but when supply is limited, price goes up and demand goes up. So which scenario did we think we were going to be in? And kids made predictions and we followed gas prices for months. So one of the first things when we got back online, one of the first things kids asked, what's the gas price? You know, where were we when we finished? Because they had been following it while we were out, but they couldn't remember what our number was. Well, I had taken a picture of the board just in case, you know, in That's case. So funny. And so um, it continued to go down. So now it's stabilized a little bit more, but it was real interesting that a lot of them had predicted that the price would go down and it did, but that was their big driving question when we got back was where are we on the gas prices? Did we guess right or did we guess wrong? And they were really interested in that and that kept them going during the whole thing. Repeatedly, they talked about it. And then we talked about toilet paper. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, that's where I would have been watching. <laughs> because so many people were hoarding it and causing scarcity. And so we got into the price gouging. And, you know, that technically, if there's high demand like that, then you raise price and so it equals out. But you didn't want to raise price because you would be price gouging. By the way, one thing we learned, I didn't know, Arizona doesn't have a price gouging law. Don't know if you knew that or not, but they don't. So we could have raised prices on toilet paper to help stabilize the supply, but people didn't do that. And then we also got into the other factors and it was the psychology of hoarding is um, when you feel like you can control something. Mm. People were buying those products and hoarding sanitizer and toilet paper because they felt like they were controlling something they couldn't control otherwise. And so you get into the psychology of it. So we had fascinating discussions on the whole COVID experience that was going on. So pretty interesting what kids will engage with. Okay. Wow. Well, I, I, I just had such a good time. Thank you for sitting oh down. I feel like you're PJ Fleck from the University of Minnesota. <laughs> I just want to grab an oar. I want to row the boat. You know, like uh, it's been such an honor. Um, I have no idea what that means. You know, so I was like, she's a college football <laughs> yeah. fan. She gets my analogy. I do. Uh, I, I just love all of your analogies. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, as we always say, people, 
if you can be anything in the world, be kind. Now, if you loved hearing stories about DECA, what, what constitutes a, a Texas barbecue and yeah. hearing stories about Deb Moore's uh, relationship <laughs> with the Fiesta Bowl, subscribe to the Nailed It Wall. Every Tuesday, the latest episode will be downloaded to your device. Now, if you're on Twitter, make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Mr. Lane, the STEM guy. And me at a positive proton. And me at ACTE Deb Moore, that stands for the Association of Career and Technical Educators. <laughs>